This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Gingrich, and today I have a very, very special guest. I am so excited to share Amy Lochran from the Operations House with you all today. This is another one of the episodes from my Expert Coach series. You can expect every other week to start hearing from the expert coaches that have been selected to be on the Ops Authority team. They also serve as an advisory board to me. So they're always in my business giving me feedback on what we should do, what we should correct, how we can make things better. But as a part of this opportunity, I wanted them to come in and to talk with my listeners and share with you what their gifts are. So Amy is our business practices expert, and it's really because she's got good experience in being a director of operations for several years. And through that time period and building her own business, she has gone through several different models, much like I have different models, but I wanted her to come in and just kind of share if you guys are listening and you're thinking about how you can be a director of operations or what it may look like behind the hood, if you will, then Amy's going to be a great person to listen to today. So as we kick off with her interview or our chat, I want to formally introduce you to the Miss Amy Lochran. So Amy is a business growth consultant and the CEO of the Operations House. She has an implementation and an integration agency. She partners with female entrepreneurs that are ready to thrive in their business and leave behind the overwhelm of all the to-dos. Amy makes things happen in your business so you can go back to being creative through consulting, system setups, and strategic planning sessions. She focuses on growth and systematic scaling to guide business owners to the right next step in their business all while making it fun. And I will add, this lady is a ton of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode today. And I'm going to do things a little bit different than we usually do here on the Ops Authority Podcast. But I'm going to give you your Ops Activity of the Week at the beginning of the episode. So as you're listening to Amy and I talk about the different ways that you can build businesses, I just want to make sure that as you're listening, she's going to give you all some tips here at the end, and they're going to be on the various different business models. I want you to listen to this. I assume that most of you guys who are listening have a service-based business, and Amy's going to talk about three different models, and I bet one of them rings true to you. The Ops activity of this week is to come into theopsinsiders.com and share with us which of those paths you are presently on. Alrighty, not the one you want, but the one that you're going to refine and make better right now. Without further ado, here is my friend Amy. 
All righty. I'm so excited to have one of my dear friends, a colleague, a peer, a mentor to me, someone who's been through the Director of Operations Certification. And I would say more importantly than any of that, just one of my great, great, great friends here with you guys today, Miss Amy Lochran from the Operations House. I am so excited to have you here. Amy, give us a little peek into who you are, what you do, and what path you're on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Nat. I feel the exact same about you. I'm so excited to get to have this conversation today. So like you mentioned, I'm the CEO of the Operations House, and I specialize in operations and scaling for small business owners. About me, I am a beach girl at heart, and I have my husband, two kids, and they're really the reason, I think like so many of us, that I started on this entrepreneurial path to kind of create the business that I like and kind of found my way into systems and understanding that there's people that need to be in the back of a business to help it grow and scale. And there's always a yin to somebody's yang. And that was really kind of where I got everything started. Yeah. So look back in your past, like when you look at the past roles that you have had professionally, even not just roles in general, where do you see like operations popping up the different parts of operations? Probably everywhere, if I'm being completely honest. I think so. I think for a creative person, they would give the exact same answer. Like the creativity comes through in everything they did. But like one of the first jobs I had growing up in the high school was I worked at Old Navy. And that was back like a la the era of the performance fleece and the khaki wall, if anyone remembers that. Love and I it. took such pride in like the organization and the structure and the sizing on the khaki wall before being promoted to a register person and like what. I had to do to win the credit card competitions and like really handle like when people were going on breaks and things like that. And so even from the beginning, I lived in a space of like, oh, we have goals. There's steps you have to take to get to the goals. And what do I need to do to meet those? And how's everyone going to impact them? And it just kind of carried on. I did the corporate ladder climbing race that so many of us, I think, have been on or currently still on where it was executive leadership training and sales training. And then I also spent time in the nonprofit world where I worked in development and fundraising and marketing and just always kind of like did what I needed to do for work, but really thrived in like the steps that got us to each goal. And I think that's where I realized there was probably something different for me than the people who were like, I'm going to do this so I can shine and be the person in the front of everything. I liked it when I was like, Ooh, all the pieces are coming together and it's phenomenal. And did you notice that? And everyone's like, I don't care. It's like the finished product. I'm like, I know, but like the pieces together were really fun. (laughs) And like, let's simmer on that for a bit. So yes, this is a random question. You mentioned creatives. Do you find yourself to be creative too? I actually love this question. So I am not standalone creative. I think there's people that can like go on a walk and just have a million ideas that come to them and then just say like, oh my gosh, I could take my business or my life in like 45 different directions. And it's just trying to pick what to do. Those are the people I love to work with. I'm creative in the sense that if I have someone to go back and forth with and to break down things and then suggest new ideas, I thrive off of other people and then can like ping back to them. That's kind of like where my creative space lands. And anytime I've tried to like come up with something on my own, I usually just end up getting frustrated. I I think I know my zone of genius now and what I like to do. And so I'm that person for a lot of people. And I'm also the same person for my kids. They're like, let's play this game. I'm like, let me organize around you while you play this game. It's so much more fun. So, so that brings up something really interesting. Well, let me, let me chime in here for a sec. I believe that everybody is creative. And I think in the space that you and I work in with a lot of true visionaries, which we 
sometimes call them creatives, which are not one and the same, but just kind of going down the marketing language that we see today, we see a lot of us marketing to creatives. And I just, I'm always like, I mean, it's not anything that I'm going to rant on too long, but it's like everybody is creative. And I believe that a lot of the operations folks are creative in totally different ways. I think the the visual creative that we think of, the painter, the artist, the, you know, those types of of creatives that use implements, mm-hmm. like that's what the world sees as creative. But I think all of us in operations, whether it's, you know, HR, project management, finances, we're all creative. And I find the creativity like that I get lit up by, and I know you have too, I've been in a room with you and I've seen this, are using color-coded sticky notes and using mind map tools. And, you know, the compartmentalizing is our creativity. And so organizing a pantry is like, is rejuvenating for you and I. I'm making that assumption, but cleaning no, out- No, you were right. It was, yeah. it was 100% on point. <laughs> yeah, but that's still part of creativity. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I, you know, Amy supports creatives or I want to work with creatives, I think we all need to do a better job at either redefining what creative means or uh, because creative can mean so many things. I wouldn't discount myself as being a creative, but if I saw the messaging was tailored to an artist, well, I definitely know I'm not an artist. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that just, that kind of struck me for a second. I think you're so right. And I think it's so different than like how it used to be like 15 years ago, like that's what it meant to be creative. But now, I mean, even when you like take it at like the very base of like the internet has opened up a different world and how I might like project manage somebody's launch or things like that. Like there's a finesse to doing it a certain way and everybody's a little bit different. And so you're right. It's just like how we all use our creativity and our skill sets to our strengths. Yeah. So you're a CEO of your Mm -hmm. own business right now. You have also thrived in being the right hand, the second in charge or second in command, the chief of staff, directors of operations, integrator, all of those roles kind of mean the same thing to us. How is it? And I would love to know this like personally, because I'm in the exact same boat. I mean, I think we have a very similar Colby profile and we play really well as the right hand to somebody, but it is so different when you're leading your own business. And so knowing what you know and have seen, been privy to by supporting so many six and seven figure business owners, how does that operations right-handedness play into or limit your ability to step into full leadership as a CEO of your own business? Ooh, that's a good one. So if I'm being completely honest, I think initially I saw it probably was a hindrance for me because when you're the right-hand person, you see a lot of the things and you're also in charge of a lot of the things that are kind of like stop functions in a business. It's not necessarily the quote unquote fun stuff that we deal with when you're running that side of a business, but it also is incredibly eye-opening to like what needs to get done to have the success that you want, to scale in the way that you want, to build the type of business that you want. And so for me, it was very eye-opening. It was kind of like a a light switch flipped for me where it was like, wow, I know so much and I can apply from learning lessons from years in corporate, from being behind the scenes on so many different businesses. And if I apply it to myself and what I want to do, like there's literally nothing that can stop me or the people that I work with. And so, I mean, it's an amazing skill set. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is the backbone to so many people's businesses and to life. Like, you know, I think that once we probably took these skills for granted for a long time and, and if you're listening to this and you're a, you know, a director of operations or you have a project management skill set, you can look back on your life and really see how you were 
how you were an operator for like your entire life. I mean, she's talking about old Navy and what I was hearing when you were talking about the old Navy experience, like, which I have a similar one. My very first job was in a shop that sold prom dresses and pageant dresses. Hello, Texas. Like nothing says more (laughs) Texas than, than that. But I mean, you start thinking about, about the way that we prioritize, like our gift is in prioritization. It's in grouping and compartmentalizing things. And that skill set applies to life. Like 100%. literally, yes, we, we can talk about it from a professional perspective, but oh my goodness, like life is really structure. And that's what we're so good at bringing. So when do you think like along the journey, I know you've had many different opportunities in your life. Obviously it's those jobs that date back to, you know, our teenage years. And then when you went into corporate nonprofit and have come out on your own or today you're leading the operations house. Tell me how, at what point in that journey did you really start to zone in and say this, I'm putting my stake in the ground that I am an operator for lack of better word, but I'm an operator and this is where I'm going to focus in on. Oh, that's a good one, Nat. Um, I think it honestly, it was probably around the time you and I ended up having a conversation around the certification for DOO. Because when you were starting that program, it was putting the light in the fact of like what myself, what I was doing in the back end of people's businesses, and then what people who were doing similar jobs as to what I was doing, like we didn't have a scope around it. And so it could very easily be like ushered to like, oh, they just take care of these things and didn't have a lot of respect. But when you looked at it, I could have a conversation with a client and know that hour that I spent with them was mostly strategy that I might be being paid for overseeing an implementation where they could be paying like 10 times for their coach, but we were having the exact same conversation. And I realized at that point, I was like, wow, what I'm doing in the back end of a business is so much more than just like coming in to help keep things clean or help keep things orderly. This is a role that really propels the business forward if you take ownership of it. And that's who I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be able to help people grow their business in a way that works for them. And I think that's my sweet spot. Like, I don't think there's like a simple system for every single person. I think we're all individual and being able to like pick that out of a person and make it fun is where I really thrived and found what I needed to be doing. Yeah. And the reason I asked this question is I believe that while we can look back and can see order systems, you know, structure for our entire lives, we took that for granted. And that's one of the big things I have on my heart as far as a mission is to help women, especially women, identify that these are like God-given skills that you had from the very beginning, but it took us so long in our lives journey to actually realize that we had something that we could monetize. We just thought that either lots of people were like us or what we had really wasn't that special. So I'd love to ask that from you guys, especially the expert coaches that are here in this program, because I know for me, it was not until I left corporate America, I would never have dreamt of using the word operations or integrator or operator ever, 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 ever. I kind of minimized the specialty of that by calling myself a project manager. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's still a foundational skill set for me. And it always will be. It's who I am. And that's the formal title. Whereas operator, director of operations, or, you know, even business manager. Those are terms that we don't know. Our culture doesn't know. And so we didn't learn them early enough, especially our generation, Amy, learn them early enough to be able to monetize them. Because I was just telling my husband last night, we went to dinner and I was telling him, gosh, I really, like, I never thought I would be at this point, but I wish I would have started this. Like, can you imagine what would have happened if I would have started this business 20 years ago? Oh my gosh. I've had the same conversation with my husband. Like just people don't understand, but we didn't know back then either. 
Oh, it's very pushed to the side. My husband just looked right away and he was like, you couldn't have. And I was like, I know I couldn't have, but <laughs> it comes down to the value. Like I didn't have confidence in this because I thought everybody had it. I thought it wasn't common or excuse me. I thought it was normal. I thought it was, you know, I didn't see myself as being exceptional in this area. And so if you're listening to this and you're, you know, you're already on a career path, but you are ready to take that next step and you can reflect on where your expertise lies and it is in this operation space, which happens to be a very big umbrella. Something I want to pick up, uh, I wanted to go into with what you had just said. I believe that lots of people can design systems. I think a lot of people can prioritize things, especially females. I think we naturally do that better than males. At the same time, lots of people can do it. Where a director of operations, where I'm able to really look and see who should be an operator, a certified director of operations, and who should not, is where that leadership comes in. And so leadership, based on what Amy was just describing, is really where she started to see her value in providing strategy. So the systems and the processes and the prioritization are all there. The project plans, they're already there. But for Amy, she started to see that her strategy was unique. She was now coaching or what we would call managing up. So having open conversations, being a strategic partner to somebody, that's where she started to, the light bulb went off. And I can assume that your confidence probably skyrocketed because that's exactly <laughs> what happened for me. You know, I started to be validated and I'll, I'll never forget this first time somebody called me their coach. And it's actually a client that the two of us have both been in their business. And she's like, you know what? you should just call yourself a coach because really you're just coaching me. And I had some big block against business coaching. Mm -hmm. And when I look now, five years down the road, when I look and see what I'm doing, hello, total business coach. I just coach in a different way, right? So a lot of coaches are coaching towards revenue. We coach towards operations, towards the systems in the business, which of course lead to revenue. So I just wanted to pull that out that if you're, if you're feeling like throws, like, confetti to that because it's all leads to revenue too. It's like such a unique perspective, mm -hmm. but it's so true. And it does so much for a business at the same time as well, yeah. when it's not the only thing you're focusing on is revenue. So yeah. Soapbox moment. Yes. Yeah. I could go. And, and trust me, me and Amy could talk and talk and talk, but we're going to save you some time today <laughs> and keep this narrowly focused. We've got a loose outline that I've done a poor job of following, but Amy was selected in this round of the director of operations to be the expert coach for business practices. We've talked a lot about the, on this podcast about how many different ways someone can take the information and the knowledge from the director of operations certification program and turn it into the business that works for them. You guys know I am really, really, I'm actually hellbent on making sure that women use these God-given talents and innate skill sets, their leadership abilities, and turn that into a business that works for them. But before we do that, like that's the outcome. But before we get there, we really have to identify what kind of life we want for ourselves. And so that looks different for every single person. And I never want to take that away because I think we, we are conditioned, especially if you're a Gen Xer, you, you've been raised to really think that you have to be in corporate to be successful. And we know that to not be true today. So Anyway, Amy has been on an admirable journey. I've been a part of it for a while and it's really been 
eye-opening for me to watch her navigate this. And so it was just appropriate and felt so natural for me to bring her in as the expert coach for business practices. So in addition to my perspective, the all of the DOO students have the opportunity to talk to Amy. She comes in, she teaches, and leads some mentoring discussions when people have questions on which way should I build my business. Some people want retainers, some people, I mean, there are just endless numbers of ways. So many possibilities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I would love for you to share a little bit with the audience in your area of expertise in all of the different ways that you've built your business and where some have been easy and some have been more difficult. So what is your, give the audience a view of how a director of operations can build their business. Sure. I think it really breaks down into like three main buckets um, that we can talk about. You can have a retainer-based business, you can have a product-based business, or a project-based business. And so my favorite for anyone who's new and kind of how I started my path, and I'll be honest and with you, I would recommend going through the path the way that I did because I think the experience that I put forth really got me to where I am with how Nat mentioned the confidence and the understanding that like, okay, this is where I should be. And this is what I bring to people. But with a retainer-based relationship with your clients, they bring you on and you're a long-term asset to them. You're working with them. They are your client. You know, it's recurring revenue that you have, and you really become invested in their success. That's phenomenal, especially if you're just kind of like breaking into what this role is, what you want to do, figuring out what your strengths are, where you have an opportunity to learn and really gaining your traction. And then from there, it's really great to offer projects at that point. So say you have something that you really specialize in. For me, I love to, on a project level, get into the back end of somebody's business, look at their systems, their automations, their workflows, their communication, onboarding, offboarding, do an audit, and then say like, either let's throw it all away and start over, or let's tweak it and make it a little bit better so that it works for the person. That's a finite start and end and a specific price point that's specialized and it's a niche and it's something where someone knows exactly what they're getting at the outcome. And so that's really great for a person who just wants to do the same thing over and over again because they are specialized in that. And then lastly, where I'm really focusing right now is kind of like a product or what you're doing for your service to give to somebody. So for me, it's looking at consulting and coaching with people who want to scale on a business level and they realize that operationally is where they have a gap. So people that like Nat was talking about, there's so many things that impact your revenue in your business. And it's not just always money mindset, which is a lot of things that we talk about, you know, when you're looking at business coaching and all, but there's so many things that happen at the back of your business where having the experience of being in multi six and seven figure businesses, we can correct those and set you on a path that is phenomenal from the start if you have the right foundation. But to get to that point, you've got to know the business inside and out. And that's online business, in-person business, brick and mortar, all of those. And so you can do so much with the certification because it gives you the insight on how to work with people, how to work in the back end of the business, and then what it does for the profitability of the business, which is honestly like what everybody really cares about. (laughs) Yes. I think that I'm totally in the same camp as Amy. I believe that if you are curious about this role and this opportunity, and honestly, if you're a project manager, an online business manager, a virtual assistant, if you're in a service-based business, my number one recommendation to get you going is to start in that retainer model, just like Amy said. This is where you learn. This is where you're able to observe and take note outside of your own dime, right? The business that you're supporting that you want to succeed, you're behind those efforts. So you're learning things that if you want to grow and change your business at a later time, you're literally able to use the experiences that someone else is paying you 
to lead to, you know, put those in your pocket and pull them out later on. And I know Amy and I have both had, and you as listeners, we have learned so much from being in the back end of other people's businesses that we lead our businesses in a different way because of all the historical knowledge that we have. It also has required me to enter or to step into the next version of my business really slowly. So I am what you would call a slow start and I can be very, very methodical because I'm a high fact finder. These are all Colby A terms, K-O-L-B-E. These are all Colby terms and it really helps me to understand the type of person. It's a requirement in almost every relationship I'm in, but I'm a high fact finder and I don't take action really, really quickly. And so my business has evolved very slowly without a lot of risk, without a lot of marketing expense. And I've been able to do that because I've honestly, I've been very controlling of the next few steps. Whereas someone who's got a higher quick start is going to evolve very, very quickly and make very fast changes. That's typically the kind of people that I'm supporting or I was supporting and that Amy supports, but it's a completely different skill set. And building this slow business has allowed me to learn a lot. I mean, the trade-off is, yes, it's taken me some time. It's been methodical. And I was not an overnight success from an income perspective, but I've had the ability to learn so much. I can tell you with certainty how complicated a membership program is. I'm not saying I'll never have one, but I've been on the back end of many. I knew exactly what I was getting into when I started this podcast. I had supported dozens. So, you know, you you get that perspective of what the work really looks like. And when it all comes down to things and we have to prioritize, it's obviously a huge blessing to know how hard and how much labor these things are going to take. Oh, it makes a complete difference. And I think for someone we have similar Colby scores when we finally do make the decision that the, yes, this is what I want for me. At that point, it's just like, I'm going through the steps because I've made the decision. They won't be fast, but like, I know all of the risks that are involved in it. And it's still going to be the right decision for me where you just, you lose a lot of the, like, should I have done this? Should I have not done this? And it's, it makes for a safe and happy business, but yes. you and I are two of the same. Yes. So. <laughs> I will say that a lot of the directors of operations who are currently getting certified right now, I've seen a, I think it's the market that we're in. I also think that, you know, we're in like COVID times. And so businesses and corporate careers are changing so much, but I'm seeing people want to jump into more complex business models really early. And I I'm not going to be quiet about that. I believe that you need to be in the back end of someone else's business before you really, just knowing the profile of the person that comes through these things. We are not natural marketers. Can we be good at it? Of course you can be good at it, but your skill sets are more in that risk space. You're more in the fact finding and compartmentalizing and prioritizing. And so it plays so much better in the backsides of business. So before you go out there and incur a lot of risk, I can't say it enough. I really want you to start in a retainer model before you start looking at bringing in programs or funnels or any of those things. If this is what your passion is. Now, if you are gifted in the marketing side of the space, then of course, you're going to have an aptitude to build funnels, to to start looking at things like that. Most directors of operations do not naturally have that skill. I completely agree. And it's not something to force too, because what happens when you try and push something like that, because it's what everyone else seems like they're doing, is when something goes wrong, you retreat. 
And if you've put yourself out there publicly for something you're going to create, and then you retreat, like you're starting yourself off down the hill instead of like, just like with everybody else, but to be able to learn in the space of somebody's business, who's paying you, I mean, it's like hand over foot. Like you cannot get anything better. And you then come out the gate so much stronger for what you want to create and really know what you want to create. I, Mm -hmm. if I look back three years from now and could have guessed what I would be focusing my time on and how I'd want to work with people one-on-one, it would be completely off, totally wrong. And I believe people change. and I think we all evolve, but like, I didn't have a complete pinpoint on what my specialty was, what my sweet spot was for strategy and who would be getting the most from me and who I should be saying no to because it wouldn't be in their best interest and it wouldn't be in mine. And I think that's one of the best things you can do for a person. Yeah. Yep. So you came through the certification in the very first round, which Mm -hmm. I call the beta round, which is hard to believe that we've already done this five times, but um, we're like the grandmas. I know (laughs) Uh, internet grandmas here, DOO grannies. That would be us, but I know that the certification was helpful for you in getting started. And I also know that you don't use every single piece of it today. So what parts of the certification are still present in your business today? For me, the strategic mapping is still a massive part in my business. I don't onboard any person in any relationship without going through that first. And I think it just, it opens the doors to be able to explain how a working relationship will be between the two of us if it's an ongoing like consulting business. And then also to be able to give someone the knowledge on how they can develop their next year, nine months, whatever we decide to focus on is, it's invaluable. And so that is top for me. The DOO certification is probably the first time I really spent a lot of time going through the metrics on KPIs and what matters for each individual type of business, because it's kind of something that's like, everyone says the phrase like KPIs, but it's different for different people. And I think that's really important. And then lastly, I took and built my skill set on how to manage up in communication, not just in working relationships, but in peer relationships and family relationships and understanding that there's a way that I personally communicate what happens in those communication patterns that I can control and that I should be doing so that everyone is happy in relationships. That was really helpful for me. Yeah, I love that. And I also love the way that you have weaved in your boundaries in you know, it, it happens the same for both, for all of us, but we get into these businesses, we get attached we're working with people who align with our values. So it's really easy to quote unquote, fall in love with these people or become true friends with them. And so being able to manage up in a friend relationship takes a level of professionalism and leadership. And I love the way that you are, you're so grounded in who it is that you are, what you want, that you're able to do that in a very lovely way and still keep a very authentic relationship to where it doesn't feel hierarchical. It really does feel like a partnership. And that's, to me, you lead the path and you lead the way as an amazing example for all of us in this community on how to do that. Because I know that that's important to you. And I've seen you honor yourself in situations where I don't know if I had honored myself and my needs. So thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love it. All righty, Miss Amy, we're going to wrap up today. I appreciate you being here so much. And I also, for those of you guys that were listening, but maybe not taking notes because you're in the car, wrangling kids, folding laundry, all of those things. I just wanted to come back to the tip that she provided you guys, which is truly, truly valuable 
which are the different options that you can use to build a director of operations business. And so she talked about the retainer model, less risk, less marketing, more take home. I don't think we talked about that, but you're not paying a lot of people to do that. So you get to take home. If you're just getting started, there's nothing wrong with taking home more money. And And then the other two options that we talked about were that project-based and then finally getting into that program where you can really scale more in a one-to-many model. So Amy's living proof that this director of operations certification can really help you in growing. Of course, it has to be met with a natural skill set and that innate leadership, which I just enjoy so much having Amy around and I can never brag on her enough, but she is the person I go to whenever I am having my O four letter word moment because <laughs> I need her to help coach me, guide me, and also be objective. She's that person who can manage up. And when we think of managing up, she manages to me all the time and she's not on my team. She's a friend. So um, Amy, I just, I appreciate you so much. Where can these gals who are listening today, where can they find you? You can find me at my website is theoperationshouse.com. Or if you're a Facebook gal, I'd love to invite you to join my free Facebook community. It's facebook.com backslash shift to CEO. It's a community of just a free resource to have people that really kind of want to step into your CEO level of your business with strategies. And I go live there with trainings every week. Yeah, I would encourage every single one of us to to be there. If you're a service-based business owner, you're going to have a little resistance into stepping into that leadership. And Amy's the right person to help you walk through there. So thank you so much, Amy, for being here. Thank you so much for for graciously giving to our DOO community and then also just, you know, sharing it with people who are interested. It's the best community there is. Oh, thank you, dear. I appreciate it. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.